and welcome to My Little House of Prayer. I am your host, Dayla Smith. I'm so very glad you could join me today. Let's open in prayer. Father, in Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name, I praise you and I thank you for today. I give you all glory and honor, Lord God. Asking you to be in today, be with my friends today, be in this time of fellowship today. Let your words be the words that I speak, not my words, Lord God. Let your anointing fall on my words, Lord, so that it can touch hearts, so that it can touch souls, Father, and, and give glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, since this is a continuation of our study on 1 Corinthians 13, Let's go ahead and refresh our memory by reading it again. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffers long, and is kind. Love envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, and is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Charity means love. So everywhere you see charity, the real word is love. We are looking at verse five. Love does not behave itself unseemly. So let's look at the Webster Dictionary and the Strong's Concordance for definitions. In the Webster Dictionary, unseemly means improper, indecent, inappropriate, indecorous, unbecoming, uncomely, unfit, unmeet, or unsuitable. And in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the word unseemly means to be unbecoming, shapeless, unbecoming, or to hold. In this day and time, 
when our culture places no value on modesty. As children of God, we are called to live chastely. There are so many ways we can live out a modest lifestyle, but it all begins in our thought life. There is modesty in speech. There is modesty in dress. There is even modesty in our behavior. I know this is a very touchy subject. Who wants to be told how to speak, talk, and or behave? I know. I don't. Also, <clears throat> we have to remember that there is a time and place under heaven for everything. Have you taken a hard look at society's way of dressing, talking, and behaving? It's incredible how far backwards we have gone in the name of not offending others. And to think, we all had a part to play in it. What? How? We refuse to make our voices heard. In the beginning stages of when America was formed, our government was of the people, by the people, and for the people. Young men and old died for this right. Instead, it is easier for us to just allow the government to decide our fate. Thus, we have slowly allowed the state of our government to change the status from of the people, for the people, by the people, to a government, government entity by itself. By the way, forgive me, I am late on delivering this message. I was supposed to deliver it last week or even the week before and somehow or another I thought I had and didn't and um, but the Lord is always in control and I just got to share this with you that conveniently this message was held back for this appointed time and season so let's look at our speech life Listen to your words. I've been listening to mine lately. It's horrendous. Not just the obscene words we use, but even the curses we speak over ourselves and others. Not intentionally, but as a habit. And I'm not saying that I go around cursing, because I do not. But obscene words are words that are abusive and... Um, no respect for the Lord God and His name. If, if the Lord would be standing in front of us, would we be talking the way we're talking, you know? And that's what I've been experiencing, is would I say this to this person in front of the Lord? Would I do this to this person in front of the Lord? You know, and we have to be careful with our words. So very careful because there is life in the power of the tongue. You can speak death or you can speak life in someone's life. So, in the book of Titus 2, 1 through 7, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as become holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You know, false accusers, um, and sometimes 
Even I am guilty of this and have to repent. Did you hear about so-and-so and what's going on in their life? And then we get, begin to speak all the curses that are working in that person's life. And God's standing there just doing, man, you just didn't get it. You were supposed to say, let's pray for so-and-so. Not go into detail, because if God wanted them to have the detail, he'd have given it to them. Just, when we see things or hear things, we're supposed to take it to God in prayer. And pray about these things, so that we can make our brother's steps smoother. And by the way, your prayers return to your own bosom. So, if you're going to pray for someone's steps to be smooth, but it will return to you. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. Women, God is stating right here that we have the gift to teach. And where do we teach? start teaching first? our family things that God reveals to us and how to love them and how to treat them our ministry is to God first and then our family and everything else falls to the wayside when we keep this in proper order you have a perfect marriage in God's eyes that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Lately, I have learned that if I keep my thoughts life on the Lord, I am more able to recognize the darts of the enemy, thus avoiding allowing them to take root in my thought life and in turn avoid letting them escape my lips. Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do we want the fruits of death to take hold of our lives? I don't. Jesus tried to explain this in Matthew 15, 1-11. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God none effect by your tradition. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, Thus people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. So it is what we allow to enter our thought life that becomes a thought. Then it takes root. Then we speak it out. Then we act on that thought. I mean, look at Esau and Jacob. The fight actually began in the womb in Genesis 25, 24 through 26. The word is continually performed from there to Genesis 36, <clears throat> Romans 9, 11, 13. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purposes of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And in Malachi 1, 2 through 5, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. James 1, 14-15 But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, and is enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bring forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. Did you see just how temptation was at work even in the womb? The fight to be first. And yet, even as Abraham and Isaac crossed their arms, I believe the Father had predestined this while they weren't even conceived yet. I know it seems like I am catching rabbits, but I really am not. The battlefield is for our mind. You know, as I was um, reading this, where the father predestined and crossed, he had Abraham and Isaac cross their arm when it came to blessing the children. And I find it very interesting that in the Gospels, Yeshua says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I am not come to be served, but to serve. And that is what we are called to do. Not look or jockey for the best position, but look for the lowest one. I think I find it very beautiful when Christian brothers and sisters will argue over who will be a blessing, who will serve. I find it funny and then they agree they don't get angry they just agree that is just a beautiful picture of what Christ has called us to to prefer the last place and if your objective is to be first 
you've missed the whole point. We're not going to walk into the kingdom of heaven. We're going to crawl into the kingdom of heaven. Why will we crawl into the kingdom of heaven? Because we will be humbled by his glory. When you really come into contact with that glory, it causes you to bow down in reverence, fear of breaking his heart, or have broken his heart. So I know it seems like I'm catching rabbits, but I really am not. The battlefield is for our minds. If we can control our thought life, there is no room for temptation to even present itself in order to take root. I find it funny that this is what the topic we're choosing to talk about, the battlefield of the mind, because this morning, God woke me up. He knocked in my mind. <laughs> and there is a scripture that in Revelation where he says, Behold, I knock on the door of your heart. He who will open, I will come in and sup with them. And I, I'm cutting it short. I'm sorry. But I'm anxious to get to the point of the matter. So I woke up when he knocked. When I heard his knock, I woke up. said, Okay, Lord, I know. I need to get up. Then all of a sudden it hit me. He, he said, Behold, I knock on the door of your mind. Everywhere that it says heart, when the Lord says heart, He means your mind. And I busted out laughing. That was hysterical to me. Because we have hard heads. <laughs> it, you know, I even admit that I can have a hard head every now and then. So every now and then He needs to knock on the door of our brains. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I just, I don't know if you find that comical, but I sure did. Me and God laughed. In holy reverence, we laughed. Because it was funny. Because He knows our hard heads. <laughs> and He wants to help us get rid of that stubbornness and idolatry. He wants to help us draw near to him so that is why Paul says in 2nd Corinthians 10 1 through 7 now I Paul myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence and base among you but being absent and bold toward you but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all dis disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled, do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. 
You see, whether we like it or not, we are in a constant battle. Just because we are Christians does not mean we will be immune from spiritual warfare. This I find to be the biggest lie Satan and his cohorts try to use in order to cause Christians to fall asleep on our jobs. We must have a pure thought life. Our focus needs to be completely sold out to Yahweh. Isaiah 26 verse 3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You see, it is a fight to the death for our minds. Why? Because Satan and his cohorts want to lift their name higher than Hashem. So how do we fight and gain control of our thought life? The Word of God. All throughout the Bible, the Lord not only talks about this kind of warfare, but how to fight, as in Isaiah 26.3. So here is the scripture that I've been clinging to ever since I realized that the enemy was trying to hijack my thought life. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and see in me do and the God of peace shall be with you you see this is a promise but with all of the Lord's promises there comes with it a condition to obtain and keep the promise you see the battle is not with the Lord but with Satan and his cohorts the blood of Jesus is strong enough to fight for us but we have to be in agreement with God for the promises to have any effect on our lives we have to obey. Obey what? The laws of God. The first commandment is this. The Lord is God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord thy God with all of your strength, soul, and mind. When we do this on a daily basis, we allow ourselves to come in contact with the agape love of God. Then we can treat others with the same kindness, grace, and mercy we have received. King David prayed this way in Psalm 51, 10 through 19. Create in me a clean heart, mind, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from bud guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. This sounds a lot like Philippians 4, 8 through 9. 
So if the battle is our thought life, the question now is how do we see ourselves? The enemy and the world have placed many labels on society, how society behaves. I can testify of how the Lord delivered me from the many labels that were placed on me, especially the pain and the memory associated with it. These are what is called emotionally charged memories. Do you have emotionally charged memories? Memories that can be so painful they reach down to the core of your heart, soul, and mind? There is great news. Jesus is already ready to set you free, heal, and restore you. To begin with, you have to look at yourself in the spiritual mirror, the laws of God. Remember, if we have broken one, we have broken them all. As we begin to see ourselves in the light of the Torah truth and the laws of God, we realize the awesome love, grace, and mercy of the Lord. They know no bounds. Then we are to denounce our agreement with the lies of the enemy and the world as we repent of our acceptance of those lies. We decide what we agree with or not. We decide what thoughts can hold our attention or not. Whose report will we believe? Remember, hurting people hurt people. Because of the curse on this world as we know it, everyone has been in contact with emotionally charged memories. It has been a long road, but the Lord has done awesome things in my life as he has delivered me and keeps on healing each and every one. So according to the words of Jesus Christ, freely we have received, freely give. I hope this helps. So if we gain control of our thought life, we then can control our actions. This is easier said than doing. I can testify of this personally. You see, I believe the Lord knew just how great the battle for our minds would be. Therefore, he talked about it from Genesis to Revelation. Look at the command in Matthew 15, 1-11. Then came to Jesus scribes, Pharisees, and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And right there, but their heart is far from me, it means, but their mind is far from me. If we control our thought life and keep our focus on Christ Jesus, we will be able to live a life holy and consecrated to Him. In the Webster Dictionary, the word chaste means pure, abstaining from, unlawful, sexual intercourse, virgin, modest, restrained, or unadorned. In the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the word chaste means properly clean, innocent, 
hottest, perfect, or pure, sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated, holy, most holy, or saint. And I find it interesting that the reading this description in the Webster and the exhaust, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance that um, God is always calling us to be separate. Be ye holy as I am holy. We are to have chaste thoughts. In turn, we are called to have chaste speech. Then we are called to have a chaste attitude concerning how we dress and behave. This world leaves nothing to the imagination. But I ask you, where is the fun in that? It leaves no room for the unexpected or spontaneity. My husband and I lived a life of unexpected spontaneity. We never had a boring life together. Someone very close to me had a dress code that was nothing to be desired. One day I overheard a conversation between that person and my husband. Why can't you dress like Dayla? She is modest in her wardrobe and behavior. And I find that to be way more beautiful. What a compliment, huh? This is the next and final step of how to rid yourself of the emotionally charged memories. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is a, con a continual work in us. Fear in Hebrew here means a fear of breaking the one you love dearly's heart. Isn't this a powerful thought? Then we can keep our focus on him and not just give him lip service when we realize that we just don't want to break his heart. Back to Matthew 15, 1 through 11. As the example in Matthew 15, 1 through 11. Now, here's the first and foremost stage. If you are lost or backslidden, you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or you are refusing to relate yourself with the, his walk, his life. Now, if you are lost and you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is the first and foremost starting point of being able to gain control of your thought life, to be modest, to love modestly, to obtain true beauty and modesty. I want to introduce you to my Lord and Savior. This is the first step to freedom, and it is really simple. It is really simple to accept His free gift. But you need to count the cost. Are you willing to give up the sinful lifestyle? When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, this is sin. Do not do this. Are you willing? That's the cost. To walk circumspectly before your Lord. To humble yourself in the sight of Him. To love mercy. To do justly. It is a personal walk with Him. 
First, you must acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. How do you do that? You go to the law of the Lord. You look at the Ten Commandments and realize if I've broken one, I've broken them all. You ask Him for forgiveness of all your sin, transgression, and iniquity. And you call out them to Him in your prayer time. You'll be amazed at the work He will do with you. You know, um, I had to acknowledge that I was a sinner in need of a Savior when I came to Jesus. But then I found myself calling everyone that I knew that I hurt intentionally and apologized for hurting them. So it can be very hard to do. But when you're walking with the Lord, you're also walking in His divine protection. You call out your sins to Him according to the mirror of the law of the Lord. You ask Him for forgive, His forgiveness of all your sin, transgression, and iniquity, and you call them out to Him. You thank Him for His forgiveness. Then forgive those who have sinned or transgressed against you. Then repent. Repent means to change your mind concerning sinful habits. Change your choice-making decisions. I will say this again. Your life is a life of repentance. You're not, there is no once saved, always saved. If you live a life of repentance, if you live a life where you acknowledge that you are a sinner every day and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and show you your sin, transgression, and iniquity so that you can ask for forgiveness so that the blood of Jesus can be poured out on that sin and erase it. Then you're walking with Him. Then you are saved. But when we refuse to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, we refuse to acknowledge the sins that the Holy Spirit is pouring out to us to drop like a hot potato so that you can have perfect fellowship with Him. You're not saved when you refuse. And this goes also for the backslidden. And, and let me say this to the backslidden. I've said this to a friend before, but I need to let y'all know that you're backslidden. The enemy has already fed you one light and you received it. Now he's feeding you more to keep you where you're at so that you're not in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to repent. Denounce your association to that lie. And let God free you up. Let Him heal your heart. And remember, you can't take communion until you make it right with the brother that offended you. Now, if the brother doesn't receive it, that's on his head, not yours. But when you extend an olive leaf, that causes you to be free of his blood. As long as you're in unforgiveness, you will not make heaven your home. Period. It's in all over the word. You must forgive. Let him influence your choice making decisions as you get 
in his holy word. That's how you get convicted of sin. Through prayer and reading the Bible. Ask him to be Lord over your life. I want to pray this prayer with you, but this is just an outline. The real work begins after I pray with you because it is a very personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I can't say that enough. I'm going to pray with you. But this is just a formality, if you will. After I pray with you, I need you to get in your prayer closet on your own and talk to your daddy God who has redeemed you from the curse of the law and set you on his holy hill to be free. You get along with him. You tell him about, discuss your sins. In Isaiah, he says, Though your sins be as scarlet, come, <clears throat> let us declare together. Let us decree together. Pass judgment together over those sins. And I will make you white as snow. How does he make you white as snow? The precious blood of Jesus Christ from Calvary's cross. So let's pray together. If you are backslidden, if you are lost, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I need a favor, and this will be your first step of faith. If you have made the decision to give your life to Jesus, let me be one of the first. If you have made the decision to give your life to Jesus, or you have decided today that you will return to the family of God, to the house of the Lord. Let me be first to welcome you to the body of Christ. Let me let you know that all of heaven is gr greatly rejoicing over your decision today. Please let me know of your decision today. Why? Because I want to pray for you. This is important. This is my ministry. My little house of prayer is a house of prayer where I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for the lost and the backslidden to come back to the body of Christ, to come back to the fellowship with Christ, so that I can pray that your footsteps might be smooth. This is my ministry. All of heaven is greatly rejoicing over your decision today. Please let me know of your decision today. I want to pray for you. If this message has brought up any questions or spoke to you in some way, or if you have any prayer requests, please let me know by commenting below. And please know this, no question is a dumb question. This is how we learn, by asking questions. So if you have any prayer requests, please let me know by commenting below or private messaging me. Or you can email me at my number one little afmp at aol.com. I would greatly love to hear from you. Remember, 
I love you with the love of the Lord, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth will always love you way more. He stretched out his arms on Calvary's cross and told us that day when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I love you this much. As far as to the east as to the west, I bury your sin in the sea of forgetfulness and I put a no fishing sign. So let's close in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this wonderful on-time fellowship. I thank you that you do, you are in control and you do have your way in this life in Christ. I pray that you would keep on moving on the hearts of your people. Father God, I thank you for the dialogue that you, they will decide to get into with me of a godly sort where we learn, not bicker and fight, but learn together because we are all pieces to a puzzle that make a glorious picture, the picture of Yeshua HaMashiach. Let my friends have a blessed week, Lord, until we meet again. In Jesus' name. Amen.